Well, first of all, thank you for the uh, thank you for the gift card cards, especially to Home Depot. Maybe I can talk Abby into a new toilet now. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about we're going to talk about my uh, home improvement travails um, today. Actually, I'm, I'm re- we're we're in the midst of, of working on the floor in our bathroom, and and so we had. Uh, had to take our uh, toilet out to, to get the floor underneath it. And this is how you know that your pastor is from the Midwest. Um, I put the toilet inside of a um, wheelbarrow and parked the wheelbarrow on my porch for about three days. Um, just everybody driving past my house, there's a wheelbarrow with a toilet in it on my porch. Um, this one, one, one person, uh, one of my friends came by and he said, what's, what's the deal with that? And I was like, well, we're installing it there for when you come over, that's where you have to go. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> thank you very much. Um, I, uh, we're we're going to talk about um, continuing on in this series on words of life. We're in uh, New Testament words, Greek words. Um, we're going to talk today about uh, this word, basileia. It's the word for kingdom, um, and, and as, uh, as you probably know, it's, it's a prominent word, especially in uh, the four Gospels, um, not as much in John, but it's, it's all over the place um, in Matthew and in Mark and in Luke, and then uh, it's spread out in some very key passages in Paul's letters uh, as well. It's this idea of kingdom, um, and, you know, my Probably if I wasn't so, like if it wasn't my job and my vocation and my passion to be educated on this kind of thing, probably my first thought of kingdom would be like the Lego castle set I had when I was a little kid, right? Um, this, uh, there's this king with this fortress and uh, he's got all these knights and, and probably somewhere in your mind when you hear the word kingdom, that's probably what you think about. Um, that's not totally incorrect. There's some of that, that that plays into this idea of Jesus' kingdom. But I think the best definition that I, I can write for you in terms of a definition for this word basileia and how it relates to Jesus' teaching and preaching is it's living like Jesus is in charge. Uh, living like Jesus is your king is the idea of the kingdom, specifically um, enacting Jesus' ideals enacting Jesus' commandments. That's living in the kingdom. And the kingdom is kind of a weird thing because uh, it's clearly something that we're supposed to do in this life, and it's also clearly a description of something after life, of, of heaven. Um, but it's, it's both, right? Because when Jesus, when Jesus goes into towns, um, in, in specifically in um, Matthew and Mark, he'll say, the kingdom has come. Or has come near to you. And so there's this sense that the kingdom is a, is a here thing. But then on the other hand, he'll talk about in, in the kingdom as inheriting eternal life. And in order to enter the kingdom, you have to do this or that. And he's, he's clearly talking about salvation, right? So kingdom has this here and then kind of sense to it. Particularly, though, um, thinking of it in, in here kind of sense, it's not just me living like Jesus is in charge. It's actually the church doing it together, right? Because uh, there's no such thing as a kingdom of one. 
Um, I don't know what you would call a kingdom of one. Maybe a narcissist. Um, <laughs> that would be probably closest. Um, a self-centered kingdom. Uh, a king, in order to have a kingdom, needs a people. All right? So that uh, Paul talks a couple of different places about being citizens of heaven. Citizens of heaven. That we're, we're, we're together citizens of this community, this kingdom that is, uh, is to be lived now. There's this passage that I want to I look at that um, it's kind of, it's a very short passage, but I want to give you, I want to unpack it a little bit because I think it'd be, it would be an easy passage to read and to make some assumptions that maybe are not quite right. <laughs> um, I was thinking of a more gentle word to say than not right, but I couldn't think about it. So uh, anyway, Luke 17 once Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming, and he answered, the kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is, for in fact the kingdom of God is among you. The, uh, <clears throat> where is the uh, kingdom of, I don't know, Jordan. You can say, there it is. Like, you've got a map, right? You can say, there it is. Right, right in the Middle East, bam. You can point, there, there it is. Where is the border to the kingdom of, uh, I don't know, what other, Saudi Arabia? I'm trying to think of which places are called kingdoms. Um, right? you, can, you can look at a border for these places. There it is. There's a border. You can observe things that you can observe about these kingdoms. And Jesus says you can't. With the kingdom of God, it's not going to be something that you can just observe. If you want to find the kingdom, look among you. Um, <clears throat> in most English translations, it's going to have the word within. Okay? Within. Um, the, this translation, which is my preference because I think it understands Greek very well, um, chooses the word among, because, follow me here, uh, within, when we think of within, right, we think of something that's inside another thing, right? But the word here, Greek word, there's, there's another Greek word that means that, okay? The word within specifically means within, in between two different things, two or more things, Right? So if I, if I, um, I, could, I could stand on this pew, and now I'm within the pew, right? that's one way of thinking about within. But you all are actually within the pews, too. Right? Because there are these multiple pews, and you are within them. Right? Does that make sense? Or you could say that if I stand here in between, it would be a little bit awkward English, but you'd say I'm within these two pews, right? Because I'm within the space that they somehow occupy. Does that make sense? So when you think of this word as within, what we typically do is we, we think of the idea of Jesus living in my heart sort of within, right? But that word you is, uh, is the word um, humes, okay? Which means you all. Kingdom of God is within you all, y'all. If you're south of 
um, Kentucky. <laughs> the, uh, the kingdom is within. So that's why I prefer this word among, because that gets that idea for us in our minds of English. We, un we understand, because now, now I'm among the pews. Oh well, yeah, of course, that's a much more clear way for me to say that than to use the word within. So <clears throat> the kingdom of God is among you. It's not something that you're going to say, there's the border, there's the border, there's the wall, there's the wall, there's the throne, there's, there's the whatever. It's not something you can, you can see, per se. It's something that is amongst us. Let me, I want to show you the thing that we point to, that if, if anybody's going to think about the kingdom in its, in its fullness, I think probably one of the first places that they're going to come to is... Acts chapter 2, right? Where the church finally gets a chance um, to kind of be set loose in the world. Jesus has ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit has descended upon them. And now their job is to do what Jesus has told them to do all along. And what he told them to do was to live the kingdom. And this is, this is what they do in Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who, were belie who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Can you imagine a better picture of God being in charge? Right? If God is fully and totally 100% king, this is what it looks like. Now, it doesn't take very far in the book of Acts to watch them wander away from that. Right? It is only a couple chapters later where Ananias and Sapphira decided that they're going to they're gonna hide a field from the church, right? And then uh, not long after that, there's the debate about um, whether you have to be circumcised or not. And then they, so they, they end up wandering away from that idea of God being 100% in charge. They get things that get in the way. But you'll notice that what's at play here in Acts chapter 2, and they're, they're trying to live it out, and they're, they're being as, as successful as any church has ever been, the kind of things that, that depict who they are are the... Some of the themes that we've been talking about all along. Generosity, patience, peace, justice, kindness, compassion, grace. These things that are, are huge and gigantic themes of scripture. Things that, that God worked so hard at to instill in his people um, in the Old Testament. And then things that Jesus uh, would just give away and just uh, was saturated in and would kind of ooze out. And so if the church is to be, if the kingdom is to be among us, what we have to do is we have to set aim on these things. Knowing that, that we're going to come up short. <laughs> but our trajectory, right, has to be toward the kingdom. Toward these things. There's this image that I think is really beautiful um, from, from the Old Testament about uh, when the kingdom of God comes in Isaiah, there's this uh, sense that it'll be, like, it'll be like things growing in a desert, right? Crocuses in a wasteland. 
that the, the kingdom of God will be this freshness of life in the midst of desolation. So that we've been talking about life, right? We're talking about God's desire to see life. And the kingdom is kind of a blueprint, um, a, a, a mission, a, um, a statement of action for the church to be life in the desert. That, that is one of the big reasons why when the church begins to look more like the world around it, um, that kind of scares me. We need to be so different that it's like looking at uh, endless sand dunes versus looking at an oasis with water and um, shelter. There's this <clears throat> sense that for Jesus... That Basileia is, is the life that we produce through being together. Right? That we, when I treat you with kindness, when I treat you, uh, when I sell something so that I can afford to help you with your need, like they do in Acts, that that's me living out the kingdom. That's me participating in the oasis that God has created in the desolated world. When we welcome someone who uh, maybe doesn't looks the part of somebody who's not going to be welcomed in other places. I don't know, they smell bad. They they talk funny. Whatever I don't know. Whatever other superficial kind of thing that that people would push them away for. The church is the place. It's the oasis. It's the come here, wash your feet and your face, and get clean and uh, be cared for. Have a meal. Be welcomed and heard and known. When we do these things, when we live like Jesus is our king, when we enact his passions and his desires and his teachings, when we do that together, we begin to build um, an outpost of the kingdom in this place, this time. And so that the kingdom is, um, is really, it, it is God's desire to see the church do life in the desert. To be light in the darkness, to be a city on a hill, to be salt of the earth. Um, so as I told you, we're going to talk about my uh, travails as a home improvement specialist. <laughs> uh, I've gotten into a lot of really weird situations as a... Uh, um, doing my own work on my home. And this week was, was no, um, no exception to that. We, uh, <clears throat> so we got a bathroom, and like you probably do too. Um, <laughs> and uh, it, had a linole- it has a linoleum floor in it, and the linoleum floor was really old and kind of ugly, and um, I was a little worried there might be some water damage under it. And so we decided we were going to tear that up, and we were going to... Um, we're going to tear that up and we're going to tile over it. And I was like, oh, that's not going to take very long. I've done tiling before. It'll be, it'll be easy, easy. It's such a small space. So I tear up the linoleum and what do I find under the linoleum? Mold, right? <clears throat> so I um, read online about how to fix mold. And then I double check with Steve here, my um, 
professional consultant. And I'm like, how do I do, how do, I do this? And then, then I talked to Michael, um, who's my home improvement guru, that uh, like, how do I and just make sure that I'm not doing anything stupid, right? And so you got to cut out the mold and uh, get rid of it. And, and then um, I see that there water, there's water damage in the planks underneath the like, subfloor. And, and uh, I was like, oh, man, like, what a horrible situation. Thinking about the fact that here I had this floor that was ugly, but it wasn't bad. Like, there was nothing wrong with the floor. Um, and all the while, I was covering up this stuff that could make my family sick. It was like, and there was quite a, quite a bit of it in the couple of spots that we had it. And um, there it is, this, this killer, just this impediment to life covered up. Like, and there was definitely a temptation to be like, well, maybe I could just like paint over it and then tile over the top of it. Because then what you would have is you'd have a beautiful floor over the top of mold. This is the temptation of the, of the modern church, I think, is that when we, when we are encountered with something that is among us, that's negative in the church, um, we're very unused, we are very not used to conflict, um, we, we, we seem to run from, from conflict for whatever reason, I don't, I don't know exactly what the psychology is of that, but, um, or we just hide it is the temptation, right? So, so let's, you know, let's say somehow in, in you and I's relationship, there's some, uh, some self-interest, right? That, that I, can't, I can't look to your good because I'm, I'm too concerned with my own interest. Well, that's, that's greed, right? I, I don't care, I don't care how uh, my self-interest affects you. It's, it's about me, right? So imagine that that's at play in the midst of us. And let's say uh, that's, that's just rolling on and we're, we're not doing anything about it. But what we do, what the temptation is to do is, uh, is to, to, to just cover it up with a big flashy sign and trendy worship. Just like, let's just, what's between us? Forget about that greed stuff. We'll just, we'll just gloss over it. Just like putting a real fancy floor over mold in your bathroom. Um, we, we do that with all sorts of things, right? We, uh, I was at, uh, we just can't tolerate each other, right? You dress differently. You like hymns and I like choruses. Um, you like the guitar and I like the organ. I, whatever it is, I just, just, I can't be around you. I, I have to fake it. Um, I can't look you in the eye, right? And so that what's amongst us is not the kingdom in this situation, right? And in order to create the kingdom, what do we have to do is we have to look each other in the eye and we have to be selfless instead of selfish. And that's a really hard process. And so what we can do is we can have a little distraction uh, and we can, we can uh, have a real fashionable pastor. Not our problem at this church. Um, well, I have to tell you, I was at a, I was at a meeting a couple of years ago and uh, this retired pastor was speaking to, to these, this bunch of pastors. And he was describing, he was like, I, can't, I couldn't be a pastor today if I wanted to. And he said, because, uh, because I don't have a beard and I don't have a, a flannel shirt and I don't have black rimmed black rim glasses. And everybody's laughing. And I'm like, beard and a flannel. I had a flannel shirt on. <laughs> and black. Anyway, um, 
<laughs> we can't stake the kingdom, though, on what I dress like. You know, if we... <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> or, or, or what our worship team looks like, or, or how they dress, or whatever. But that's the temptation. You know it is. You know, because you know what happens? If, um, if we really, like, knock worship out of the ballpark, this is the scary thing. I mean, if we were just, like, going to a, um, I don't know, uh, uh, a David Crowder concert or something. It was just like so amazing, like light shows. Here's what happens. You forget about that thing that's in between you and the other person. That's the temptation. That's the scary part for me. Is that we can use these things to help us forget about the thing that's really there. We can, because I can tile my floor over the top of mold and forget that the mold is there. But mold is icky stuff. And it doesn't care whether you put tile over the top of it or not. Um, and the last, the last one that is my example is, uh, I mean, you, I, I know, many of you have told me your stories about these things, about how power struggles in churches have just, just broken your spirit as you've watched them. Right. Um, the answer to that is not artisanal coffee. Um, some of us have been to, to places where that is like, like I, I went to a church one time um, where I, I swear that their coffee was better than any place I'd ever been. Um, I have no idea whether they had a power struggle going on or not, but I wasn't thinking about it because <laughs> I got a really good latte. Um, <laughs> This idea of the kingdom, though, um, how we treat each other, what we're like, I just think it's so crucial. You know, I, I'm sure that we could polish things up at River Street a little bit, and maybe we would, we would grow some more. Um, but that's just not my conviction. My conviction as pastor is to see the kingdom be fully planted in good soil where it can thrive and produce the kind of fruit that the world desperately needs. Um, but so I, I want to spend my time preaching that. I, wanna, I don't want a trendy, pithy sermon. I want a sermon that cuts, um, cuts through the superficial, the observable stuff to what's going on inside of us, what's going on among us, so that we can really love each other. Because the more we love each other, um, the more use we are to the desert around us. The, um, uh, one other thought is it's not just, what's among us is not just our ability to love one another, right? It's also, uh, I think about the story of, of the Good Samaritan, right? That, that it's not just about loving somebody I know. It's about our ability among us to see the activity of God at work for that person who's in the ditch, You've heard me say before, um, actually it's been a while since we've talked about the Good Samaritan, but one of the most compelling and amazing things about that story is that Jesus doesn't say one thing about the guy in the ditch. You have no idea who he is. Nothing. You don't know he's a Jew, he's a Gentile, he's rich, he's poor. Nothing. He's a stranger in every sense of the word. To, uh, to the Samaritan who comes by and takes pity on him. That is the kingdom at work. 
is that we, what's among us is so strong and so powerful, it's, it's, it comes from the resurrection that conquers death. And it is capable of, of empowering us together to love people who are in the ditch that we have the slightest idea of who they are, why they're there, right? Because he doesn't, imagine the Samaritan coming up to the guy in the ditch who's like moaning because he's practically out. And he's like, how many times have you been in the ditch? I don't want to enable your ditch dwelling. <laughs> right? I don't, I, don't want, I don't want to be an enabler of all this. Um, or or uh, I, I don't know, whatever it is. Whatever litmus test you'd like to give him before you help him. What, is, what happens among us is so powerful. The spirit that indwells in us is so full of life that we are capable of then loving people that we have no earthly reason to love. Also from the Good Samaritan story, you'll notice that it's tradition and religious conviction that keeps the other two from stopping. I want to end with one of Paul's descriptions of the kingdom, which I think is just perfect. Um, it comes from Romans chapter 15. And in Romans 14, um, Paul has been talking about this split in the Roman church. Okay. There are those who want to continue to follow Jewish custom. They want to continue to eat like Jews, and they want to continue to celebrate festivals like Jews. And then there are those within the Roman congregation who don't want to do that. They don't want to eat the same, all that stuff. They want to be able to eat pork <laughs> and uh, other things. And, uh, and they don't want to have to go to the Jewish festivals. And Paul basically says, uh, you have to still love each other. Amen. Right? You don't, you don't get to not love each other. You don't get to split over this, actually, is a good way of putting it. You do not get to split over this. And so in Romans 15, then, Paul says uh, this, this wonderful thing that he's, he's still talking about the same issue. issue. He says, let us, uh, let us, therefore, no longer pass judgment on one another, but resolve instead never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of another. So what's, what's in between us, what's among us, not judgment, not stumbling blocks, not hindrances. I know and I am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it. So he's talking about that food um, and, and, and that kind of stuff again. If your brother or sister is being injured by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. So what's important is not what you eat, but what is between you and your brother and your sister. What's among you is actually more important than what's going in your stomach. Do not let what you eat cause the ruin of one for whom Christ died. So do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The one who thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and has human approval. Let us then pursue what makes for peace and for mutual Upbuilding. So what's between us is not tradition. If we're all in the same room because we all like the same music, right? if we're all in the same room because what you like is my sermons, if we're all in the same room because we all like the same food or we all like the same kind of drink, who cares? What should be between us are things like righteousness and joy and peace 
And we, we should pursue those things in a way that builds one another up. We should pursue those things in a way that want, builds one another up. And that is how the kingdom of God is alive in the world. That is how the kingdom of God is alive in the world. It's through us and among us in powerful ways that the world around us desperately needs. So let us recommit today to making sure that the only thing between us is love. To making sure that what is between us builds each other up. To making sure that what is between us is not things like judgment, not things like power struggles, not things like, um, I've forgotten my own examples, greed and intolerance. Let us set our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith and toss off all those other things that are between us and make him and him alone our king, our God, our savior. Because I watch, I watch when people are hurting come here and they can feel it. They can feel what's between us. They can feel that love, whether it's here or whether it's not. And create safety for them. We, we have had more hurting people come to this church in, the last, in my time here than I had ever encountered at any other church I've ever gone to. And I am convinced that it is because there is a sensitivity to the love that is alive between us. So let us keep pursuing the kingdom. Let us keep pursuing that. Let us seek peace and joy and righteousness and things that build one another up. Let's pray.